0: Let's open our Bibles, and we are at the end of this meeting. We will pray over the fathers and uh, just honor them. But right now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. And today, I want to just preach this final message in the series, The Full Armor of God. Um, this passage is often, at least I know in the past, has at times, this part of the passage that we're going to read in a moment, has often been ignored or separated from the preceding part of this whole passage that Paul is talking about, the full armor of God. And yet, as time goes on, you realize, and as you read it more and more, that it is more closely connected, verses 18 through 20, more closely connected to uh, the whole armor of God. Paul follows up in these verses of Scripture. In verse, let's read verses 18 through 20. The Bible says this. It says, And pray... In the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which... I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul follows up in his discussion of the full armor of God in these verses of scriptures with a a brief exhortation to pray. And some have kind of disconnected it in the past. I used to think as I read this passage that it wasn't really connected because of the imagery that Paul uses and yet more and more as I read, as I study, as you look at the flow of the thought, prayer is so intricately and and importantly connected to the full armor of God, we cannot separate this part of the passage from what he's been talking about. Even though Paul doesn't describe prayer in any sort of a Uh, a weapon-like fashion like what he does with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He doesn't liken anything to anything that you wear like he would with the helmet of salvation or the breastplate of righteousness. But this part is important because not only does Paul point out the necessity of prayer. He does so in a way that is repetitive, though not redundant. He doesn't doesn't repeat himself just to have something to say. He repeats himself because of the vital importance of your life and my life of prayer. Prayer is that final punch against the enemy. It is that final blow against what the enemy would try to do and in fact you could even say one commentator wisely points out that prayer in essence is the whole warfare itself the bible does not say and it tells us Paul writes to the Corinthian church and tells the Corinthian church that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're not fleshly there isn't anything about them that has to do with the flesh we don't think like Islam or some radical parts of Islam might think that you can blow things up and that's all good and well and good to, to the God that they're serving and that they're worshiping. That's not at all what Paul is thinking. Paul says here, and it's vitally important, that we are to pray and that we're to pray on all occasions. We're to pray for everybody. We're to pray for all the saints. We're to pray in different kinds of ways and with different kinds of requests and prayers. We are to pray, brothers and sisters, prayer is that final blow against the enemy that will bring him down. This is why the devil wants to keep you from praying. This is why he wants you to make excuses for coming to the house of God to pray. This is why the devil wants to make you just come about with all kinds of reasons as to why you can't pray during the week because he knows that if he can silence your prayers, he is going to win the battle. And brothers and sisters, the last thing that we can afford as a local assembly is to let the devil win. We have got to pray now more than ever before. Do you realize this church, this, this coming year turns 20 years old? 20 years old. And I had to do some serious, serious soul searching. This over the last little while, as I've been contemplating this whole thing. I don't know what we're planning. I don't know if we're going to plan anything. I just know this. I know God, 20 years of existence, we have got to do more. We have got to be more. We have got to reach out for more of you. We've got to get a hold of you and we've got to see more happen in our lives and in the lives of our families. We can't just sit back and get lazy and say, well, we're all grown up now, but instead we've got to pray. We've got to call upon the name of the Lord and reach out to God and say, God, unless you go with us, we can't go. Paul doesn't liken prayer to any part of the weaponry, anything that's there. But we see as he follows up with prayer, prayer is the very next thing he says after he calls the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is so closely connected. How many times have we said, you've got to read the Bible and pray? The whole idea of what we call devotions is, devotions are essentially reading the Bible and praying. You say, well, I've got a little book I like to read as my devotional. Make sure that you've got the word in that devotional. If you have nothing more than an inspirational book, then you need to ditch it and get the sword of the Spirit because it's the sword of the Spirit which is going to make a difference in your life and it's going to make a difference in the lives of people that you talk to, that you reach out to, that you minister to. I want to tell you, there are some wonderful devotional books There's some really great books that are around that can help you, and you might like to read it. But I want to tell you, the Word of God, brothers and sisters, is so vital. And then Paul follows up immediately. It's an interesting thing that he says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. But then he follows up and tells us that we need to pray in the Spirit. We're going to get into that in a moment. But we pray in the Spirit. We have the sword of the Spirit and the word and uh, the word and in this part, and pray in the Spirit, connects it to the first part of what we talked about, the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. So as we look at that passage, we have to recognize that prayer is part of the warfare. And in fact, at times, it is the warfare. We pray. I realize that there are times we think, well, I pray and I don't see an answer. How many of you have ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. I'm praying oh, over this. Oh, God, and, you know, I just, I don't see an answer. So you know the tendency is, the tendency is just to give up. Don't bother praying anymore. Don't bother, you know, doing that because in the end, what good is it really doing? You know what? That's the devil talking. That's not God. I don't find anywhere in Scripture where God commends giving up in prayer when you don't see an answer. We only see that we are to keep on praying. We'll get into that as well, because Paul mentions that as well. But in three uh, short verses, we are told by Paul how vital prayer really is. You see, prayer stands as that final blow against the enemy. Now, Paul answers four questions, essentially, in this short passage of Scripture. He answers how we must pray when we must pray, for whom we must pray, and for what we must pray. He answers, how we must pray, when, for whom, and for what. Well, what's the how? How are we to pray? I know a lot of times we think that prayer is, well, it's just a simple talking to God and let me say my two cents and then leave and go about my day and forget about God. But the Bible says here that prayer, real prayer, is a little bit more than that. In fact, he says this in verse 18. He starts out by saying, and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Here's the first part of the how. How we are to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Now, a lot of people, especially from my background, felt that praying in the Spirit was only praying in tongues. Paul does not actually believe that or bring that out. In fact, Paul says in two places, he says in Corinthians, he tells the Corinthian church that it's, part of that, he said, I'll pray in an unknown tongue. I'll pray in tongues, but I will also pray with my mind. I will pray with my understanding. That is the language that I speak, I will pray, but both things are praying in the spirit. So we've got to learn that there is an ability that the spirit can give us to reach out, touch the hand of God, and then bring about a change in our situation. Maybe a change in a family member. Maybe you're praying for your kids. Maybe you're praying for your grandchildren. Maybe you're praying for your loved ones or a coworker or somebody, and you don't see any change. And it seems as though the more you pray, the worse they get. You've got to keep on praying and pray in the spirit. Don't just relegate that idea to that of just sort of, well, okay, it's not happening. Let me move on to the next thing. But instead, we've got to believe that God is there to help us to pray. Well, in fact, that's actually true. Go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. The Bible says this. It says, "And listen to how the Spirit is going to help you to pray. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words... Cannot express. Would you see that again? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And then it goes on in verse 27. Look at verse 27 and He who searches our hearts. Knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, now listen to this, in accordance with God's will. That, folks, is the prayer that cannot miss. So we have to learn, we have to be be receptive to the Spirit of God and say, God, you come into my heart in my hour of prayer and let it become more than just my words. Let it be your will, your words, your thoughts, your plans, all the things that you want for me, all the things that you want for those. And God, when I don't know how to pray anymore, then you take over and let it happen that the Spirit prays through me according to the will of God. God's will, brothers and sisters, will come through in this situation. Pray, the Bible says, in the Spirit. This is the first part of how we must pray. Pray in the Spirit. You can pray in an unknown tongue. You can pray with your understanding. Both ways are great, but but it has to be moved and motivated by the Spirit of God. And Just open your heart to the Spirit and let the Spirit pray through you. You say, but... Paul says with groanings that can't be does that mean it's tongues? Does that mean it's something else? It can mean both things. I don't see any reason why the groans cannot be praying in tongues. You don't know how to pray. I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in that and believe in the power of praying in other tongues. But the Bible also lets us know that we can pray in the Spirit, and as we pray, we can pray with our understanding, but it can be a powerful, Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-empowered and enabled prayer. And God's will can be done in that. Situation. In fact, I would say I would dare say this: that if you and this is just completely opposite of what I was the direction I was heading. But this came to mind. I would say that if you are in a group setting, maybe you're praying with two or three people, maybe you're praying together. I believe it is best, and Paul seems to indicate that it is best that you pray with understanding. That you pray so that everybody can understand because then if you do not, Paul also points out in Corinthians, what benefit is it to those that are around you? The only one that's being benefited is you if you're not praying according to your understanding. So praying with the same language that everybody speaks, is vitally important, especially in a group setting, so that everybody can be benefited and everybody can be blessed by your prayer. But nonetheless, let the Spirit of God rule through your prayer life. Now, let's move on. The Bible says this, that we are to pray. There is another way in the how that Paul answers that we are to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small for God. There is absolutely nothing in your life that is too small for God to care about. In fact, he says with all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, that idea is, the, uh, the idea around all of that is, I'm asking God for something. How many of you, I'm just curious, now I realize we sometimes are short on patience, but when your kids come and ask you, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty, can I have a drink of water? You don't look at them and say, just don't bother me right now, I'm busy. You, you know, you get all annoyed. Now I realize we grown-ups, we humans have our moments of impatience. Maybe there's something else going on those kids don't know about, you're not going to tell them, but there's something else. You get a little impatient. But when they're thirsty and their faces beat red because it's summertime and they look like they're about ready to fall over from dehydration. You don't stand there and say, just go away. You you look at the request. The request is simple. They need water. You give them water. Doesn't matter how bad your day is going, you give them a drink of water. That's the same with, look, God doesn't have bad days. Aren't you glad God doesn't have bad days? And you can bring all your requests to the Lord, and God's not going to look at you and say, ah, don't bother me now. I'm dealing with Julian's problem over here. I'm too, I'm just, just so, i, I got to deal with it. No, he can handle it all. You can bring your prayers and your requests. It might be a big one. It might be so huge that the devil has been telling you that it's not. God can't handle it. But I want to let you know, brothers and sisters, the all kinds of prayers and requests indicates that there isn't anything that is too big and anything too small for your God to handle. No matter how big the problem is, no matter what has taken place, I want you to know that God cares about you. He he loves you. He will never look at you and send you away and say I'm too busy for you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. I realize that there are times where the imperfect people around us make us think sometimes that God is like them but you know what? God is absolutely other than us. God is greater than us. God is more patient than we are and God therefore will minister to our need. There is no problem that is too great so bring your prayer requests, bring your requests before the Lord and put it up to him. All kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, which seem to indicate that we can pray about anything, that God is concerned about anything that concerns you. There are times in our lives where we think, well, that's so small, God, there's no way God would be concerned about that. You know, God has to, had, to, had to chastise me from time to time to say, you know what, you need to pray about this particular thing. I'm not going to say what it is, but, but it was like, you know, God's not concerned about that. It's just, it's, it is what it is, and we have to just deal with it. But, you know, the Lord rebuked me from here, you know, from this passage and other places in Scripture that we've got to pray about everything, that we need to just say, Lord, with everything that we're doing, we're yours, so we need to talk to you about it. Aren't you glad, at least as you get older, when your kids come and ask you about stuff? I remember doing that with my own father uh, who passed away in 2006. There were times I would get on the phone and, you know, I would be here. And, I, of course, I always, I felt free to go to my father-in-law, Pastor Impaglia, but when my dad was still alive, he was my dad. And I would go to him and I would, I would talk to him and my dad was not a forceful man. My father did not say, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't, well, I told you so. He wasn't that way. He was very gentle. He had an opinion. He would let me know. In the end, he had always taught that I needed to pray. And that I needed to pray about it. And that's often what his advice was. Oh, just pray about it. Just pray and ask the Lord. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you some of the greatest advice that you can give to somebody is not your two cents. It's not your opinion about something. It is what the Bible tells us that we are to do anyway, that we are to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know, one of the most important things that I have found in ministry as a pastor is one of the things that's taken me a few years to discover is this. Well, I, I always knew it, but, you know, it's hard to admit it. I don't know everything. And when you're going through trouble and you're telling me about some things, I don't, sometimes I don't know what to tell you. I'll be honest with you. You might ask me about I don't know everything that there is to know about it. And I realize there are some pastors who never want to admit that kind of thing. I, maybe I'm wrong to do so. But I don't. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that I can say, well, let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Let's, give, let's get what God has to say about it. And let's reach out to the Lord and let the Lord lead in our situation. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that there is no, no substitute for prayer. There's no substitute for coming to the Lord. It is the how we are to do it with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul also gives us one more how. And it is this. In verse 18 he tells us that we are to be alert. The be alert. We are to be watchful. Not allow anything to get in the way. Not allow any distraction but that he says, with this in mind, be alert. You know what that alert is? It is to keep awake. It is to stay, to to literally, quite literally, to lose sleep or to watch. I think this is the one thing that Jesus was telling Peter to do. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, stay here and watch. It wasn't you know, keep on the lookout for you know, these thugs who are going to come and arrest me. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with being alert in prayer, being up and awake so that you can call upon God and you can reach out to the Lord. Paul uses the same thing. He says with all kinds of prayers and requests. And he said, but we've got to be watchful in prayer. We've got to be alert in prayer. In other words, why, why should we be alert? Well, because prayer is not a, a monologue. It's not a one-way conversation. One-way conversation doesn't even really make sense, does it? A dialogue. It is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's not where you talk to somebody, you talk to God, and that's it, and you go away. You've got to be alert because God wants to talk to you. God wants to reach out to you. You see, when you are doing battle against the enemy, God has something to say. He knows the enemy better than you know the enemy. He's very intimately aware of who the enemy is and how the enemy operates and what he will try to do to bring you down and knock you down. So brothers and sisters, we've got to pray. We've got to be alert. We've got to be awake because God has something to say to our hearts. We also have to be alert because we have to be aware of how the enemy will operate. Paul told the Corinthian church, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of Satan's devices or his schemes. You see, the enemy is doing his best to scheme against you, to bring you down. And Paul told the Corinthians, he said, you know what? The the devil is so crafty that he disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, it might look good on the surface, but it's not good. There's something that is wrong about his methods, his schemes. He is not out to to help you. He is out to destroy you. So we've got to stay alert to God, stay alert to what the enemy will try to do. And when we we do, we will in fact be the last one standing because God is going to give us the power and the strength to stand our ground against the devil. So we've got to be alert. So Paul answers how we must pray. But you know, Paul also answers the question of when we are to pray. Well, let's pray at the appropriate time. Well, what's the appropriate time? Well, let's look at verse 18 again. A lot of this is packed into one verse, believe it or not. Verse 18. The Bible says, and pray on, in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions. The first thing that we see is that we're to pray on all occasions. I don't think there is ever a time where it is out of the ordinary for us to pray. Now, I know this. I know that there is an important balance between praying and doing. This isn't Paul's discussion. Paul just says, we got to pray on all occasions. We approach something that is to occur. We approach something that is to happen in our lives, and we should pray. We should call on the Lord and cry out to God. In, on all occasions, you say, well, I've got this important project that I just feel so stressed about at work. I just don't know what to do. Ah, important occasion to pray. Pray over it. At the very least, you're going to relieve your own stress by saying, Lord, this is your problem. This is your difficulty. Dear pastor, friend of mine who passed away just in, uh, I want to say it was at the beginning of this past year, Brother David McIntyre. He used to tell me, and I remember being around him, what a very, very unique man, was a close friend of my father. Very unique brother in the Lord. Just, just one of those guys you would never forget if you met. I remember him saying to me on one occasion, as I was with him, he was the, the youth director in the northern part of Maine, in New Brunswick, Canada, where we grew up. And, and he, you know, we had this Bible camp that went to every, every year, every summer. And I remember being around him as I went back and was a counselor and then a speaker. And he always took time to just sort of, you know, he, he loved to talk about the Lord. He loved to talk about other things. He was crazy a bit. But, you know, he was a very funny man. But he, he just, he loved talking about God. When he talked about God... He, there was such a depth of wisdom with what he said. I remember on one occasion he said, You know, sometimes there are times where I just, I've got a problem. And he goes, You know, I don't, I don't ignore it. I don't, uh, you know, I don't just sort of take the problem and say, Well, I've got to wait until a little bit later on to pray for that. But he says, Right there in that moment, I just, I just breathe a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, this is your problem. You take care of this right now. I'm not going to carry it anymore. Amen. And he says, I go about my day, and I leave it in the hands of the Lord. You know what? Prayer can be that simple. We can pray on all occasions. You're faced with a difficult decision that you have to make in life, whether it's at work or with family or whatever it might be. Pray on all occasions. Do not let that occasion slip by where you just sort of ignore what God has to say about it, but pray on all occasions occasions. And then he says this, and again in verse 18, he tells us that we are to always keep on praying. Pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Always keep on praying. Paul also told the Thessalonian church, he said, that you're to pray without ceasing. Well, it doesn't mean that you walk around and you can't have a conversation with anybody because you're just praying. I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. I'm praying to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. You know, know, that's a little weird. That's just a little nuts. Not what Paul is suggesting either. Not what the Bible says. But you can, no matter what you're doing, you can pray without ceasing. Why? Because prayer is not just the act of words being spoken. It is the attitude of your heart toward God. You can reach out to the Lord in a moment, in a split second, and say, God, I need you right now. I'm calling on you. I need your help. And that's it. And it's simple and it's done. But you pray without ceasing. It is an attitude of prayer that we are to approach life with. Brothers and sisters, life is too hectic. It's too crazy. It's too problematic. There are too many things that can go wrong for us to ignore prayer and to say that we don't need to pray at all times. The Bible tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. Paul says, always keep on praying. Always. Well, for who? Paul answers, for whom we must pray. Verse 18, the rest of that phrase, always keep on praying, is for all the saints. All the saints. One of the reasons why I believe in many respects the Catholic Church has not quite gotten it right when it comes to saints is simply this. The Bible indicates in the New Testament that we're all saints. That every believer is a saint. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean you're to be venerated and to be lifted up and to be worshipped and prayed to and the whole nonsense that goes on. That that has, We're only to pray to God. But the Bible says that we're to keep on praying for all the saints. And if that is the case, I should not be praying to saints. I should be praying for saints. And I can't pray for dead ones. So I've got to pray for living ones. And if they're living according to their belief system, they're not a saint. You can't be until you're gone. So Either Paul doesn't really know what he's talking about or maybe somebody else doesn't know what they were talking about. So this is why we believe that as believers, God has placed a title on you that while you look in the mirror and say, I ain't no saint. You ain't no ain't either. You're in, folks. And those who are in the body, you are a saint. Come on, somebody get happy about that and say amen. I'm a saint. No, it doesn't mean perfection. That's how we use the idea of a saint. That has nothing to do with it. It's somebody who is trusted in Christ and is part of the fellowship of the body of Christ. These are the saints. And now these are the ones that Paul says we're to always keep on praying for these individuals. Keep on praying for all the saints. Do you think? Well, I got nothing to pray for today. I have nothing really to pray for. Oh yes, you do. Look around the room; you have plenty to pray for. You you don't know what somebody else is going. Well, oh, I got no problems today, so I don't have to pray. Praise God! I'm just going to rejoice all day. Well, you know, I hope you rejoice, but don't don't waste your time not praying over anything because there might be somebody else around you who needs your prayer, who needs your moment of time to just call upon God for them. Listen, cry out for the saints that you find around you. Cry out to the Lord for those who are in need. Brothers and sisters, we have great needs. Prayer is absolutely the unfinished task. There is never an end to how we can pray and to for whom and for the, the, the who it is that we can pray for. We Can never stop praying, brothers and sisters, because of those that are around us. The need is great. So, we're to pray for all the saints. But get down to verse 19. And Paul says this Pray also for me. Pray also for me. Whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul not only says pray for the saints, that is the body, the brothers and sisters that are around you, those that are close by, but he says pray for me also. I look at this a couple of ways and obviously Paul is long gone, so we're not praying literally, quite literally for Paul. But I believe that this is an important passage of Scripture to pray for those who are in leadership, those who are in authority, those who serve the body of Christ. We need to pray for those who minister the gospel. We need to pray, say, Pastor, Will, you're the one. I'm not the only one, folks. We need to pray for those who are in the work of the Lord. We need to pray for others and other pastors as well. And I believe that's why, one of the reasons why, sometimes when we have a guest pastor or a guest minister come, I I take time at the end of the service and I pray over them. Because you know what, folks? The bottom line is ministry, the ability to invest in somebody and see them grow in the body of Christ, ministry is not easy. And so Paul says this, he says, and, and he was met with greater opposition in his time than what we are in our time, at least in this country. Paul says, pray for me, and we're going to get to the for what in a minute and find out what we are to pray for. But Paul says, I need prayer too. Paul, I, I love Paul. He was, un, he was not ashamed to say when he needed prayer. And I think I've tried to take my cue a little bit in life from Paul in ministry. Because there are times where we need prayer. I need prayer. We need to call on the name of the Lord and cry out to God. Listen, folks, prayer. You cannot stop praying. We cannot stop. We cannot allow the enemy to silence our voices and just sort of steal our time away on a daily basis. We've got so much to pray for. And Paul says, pray for me too. Brothers and sisters, We need to pray for pastors in this city, pastors around this country, preachers, evangelists, whatever it might be, We need to pray for them, that God would help them, that God would encourage them. You don't know what pastors can be going through. You don't know what's going through their hearts and their minds as they look out over a congregation that from time to time looks more bored than they are anything else. You don't know what's happening on the inside when at times it seems as though there's no one left to serve. You don't know what's happening in their hearts when they see a great need. And yet the Bible, and Jesus had the same problem. He said, look at the fields, they're white to the harvest. But then in another place, he says, in the, in the, the, you looked, he looked out over the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, they're few. Still have the same problem Jesus had. The laborers are few. So we have to pray. We have to pray for those that are in leadership. Paul says, pray for all the saints. Pray for me. Pray for those now, we could probably add in this, though it's not part of the passage, and I didn't bring it out because it's not, but Paul, we probably could say that we need to pray for those that are, are lost and that are unsaved. Absolutely. If, if you think that prayer is just one of these things that you've got to spend you know, two or three minutes in the day doing, you're not really battling in prayer. Because real battle in prayer takes more time. It takes more effort. It takes energy. It takes strength in our physical bodies as well as our spiritual bodies. And sometimes we approach prayer as as the, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If you approach prayer as if you feel like it, that you'll do it, then you will never do it. Because the enemy will find every reason why you shouldn't feel like it. You're too tired. You don't feel good. You're this. You're that. You've got this going on. You've got that going on. Oh, yeah. You know, even emotionally, mentally, we can allow, you know, the bad things to get into our minds and the negative thoughts and the, the, just all the kinds of garbage to kind of weigh our spirits down. And when you're, you're weighed down in your spirit, sometimes the, the idea is that you just, you, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like talking. You don't feel like saying anything. So why am I going to pray? Brothers and sisters, this is why it's a fight we got to fight through that so that we can pray and pray for those that are around us. Now, he answers one final question, and it is the for what we must pray. What are we to pray for? Well, here's another what. Even though it was part of the who, here's the what for all the saints. Verse 18. So what does it have to do with the what? That's the for who. Well, This is also a for what as well as a for whom because our fellow saints are standing in the place of warfare against the enemy that seeks to destroy them and it's implicit in the passage that we pray for strength for our fellow believers, and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we've got to pray for strength. We need to pray for the strength of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to take over in their lives, to minister to them, and to help them. We need to pray and call upon the name of the Lord. God is able to minister and to help them and to strengthen them and to give them what they need in the hour of battle. And brothers and sisters, there are times in our lives when the enemy will come along and say and let us know that somehow our prayer doesn't work. But I want you to know that your prayer does work, that it will work. We need to call upon the power of God and say, God, you do something great, you do something mighty in our midst. Pray for all the saints that they might have strength, that they might have help, that they might have power in their lives. We need that kind of strength and that kind of help. We also need to pray. Paul says in verse 19, he says, pray for me that words may be given me. We need to pray for words to be given He specifically asked, pray for me that words may be given me. Jesus told his disciples on one occasion, he said, listen, I don't want you to worry when you are dragged before the the religious leaders who hate me, who hate my message, who hate what it is that I'm proclaiming. When you are dragged before them, I don't want you to worry about what it is that you're going to say Because the Holy Spirit is going to put into you what you need to say in that moment. In that moment, do not be afraid. And Paul was saying here, pray for me that when I proclaim the message of the gospel, that words may be given me. That is given from God, given from the Holy Spirit, that I will know what to say. I have relished the testimonies over the years of people who have gone out on the street or maybe a, to a coworker that they have been witnessing to that somewhere along the way they have sensed and felt. The Holy Spirit come upon them in such a way that they have said things in that moment that have connected to the heart of that individual. It is the Holy Spirit working through your life to reach that individual with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to reach out to God and say, God, help me, I'm going to pray to you right now that words would be given to me when I reach out to those that are hurting. Caleb, he works in a ministry, in Emmaus Ministries, where Lynette used to work. When he goes out on the street, That he cannot go out without prayer. He's got to pray, Lord, give me the words to say to these men who need help out on the street, who are living out there trying to just get by, maybe trying to feed a drug habit and yet prostituting themselves. Reach out, Lord, through me to them to connect whatever it might be. You might have a co-worker that you're witnessing to. You need to pray. Pray that the words of God would be given to you to know what to say to that individual. And the Bible says the last thing that we need to pray for in verse 20 is this. The Bible says this. Let me just read verse 20. It says, Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Not only is he asking for the words to say, you can know what to say, but depending on who your audience is, Sometimes you can hold back. You know, Paul had appeared to Nero, or appealed to go to Nero. We're not totally sure that he ever made it. But can you imagine Paul standing in front of one of the most evil emperors in history? Standing in front of that man? You might want to think, Paul, about what you're going to say. If you had an audience with the president, if you had something to say to a world leader, what would you say? i got to tell you, I'm not sure that I would say all that might be in my heart. Maybe I would, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't. But we have to pray for the kind of boldness and fearlessness that we would declare the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have a great and a glorious message to declare. Pray that we would fearlessly declare the word of the Lord in a world that is increasingly intolerant of what it is that you believe in Scripture. Brothers and sisters, we got to pray all the more for that fear. That boldness and the empowerment of the Spirit to say, Lord, use me as your mouthpiece. Because you know the wonderful thing about all of this, and Paul declares it in one of his epistles and says that even some in the household of Nero served Christ. Isn't that amazing? The gospel got into places. Not only that, in the book of Acts, it tells us that some of the priests who had been against the gospel of Jesus Christ, they turned and they served Jesus. They turned and repented of their sin. They came to Christ with all their religious knowledge, with all of their religion, they realized there was something that they were missing. They were missing faith in Christ. That is what a fearlessly declared word of God will do In somebody's life, it will go to the places where you cannot go. And when we pray, God, give me the words to say, and now let me proclaim it fearlessly. Who knows what can happen when you declare the word of God? Can we stand to our feet right now?